to Coached Soul, a podcast for a better you. Here's your host, Steve Hudgens. Welcome to Coached Soul. I'm Steve. I'm a licensed professional therapist here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Julia is our co-host who is a therapeutic coach. Together, we talk about a variety of topics or we interview a variety of different people to give you a different perspective on life. To contact us, 918-280-8690 or www.coachsoul.com. These are two ways that you can get in contact with us, not on an emergency basis, but able to help provide feedback or some topics you would like to hear on future shows. Thank you for joining us today on Coach Soul. This month is Suicide Awareness Month. So I want to kind of talk about maybe a sense of community. What What do you think? I think that actually is a great topic to discuss because I think we're at a, a time in history where people are doing more. They have higher levels of stress. Um, due to COVID, we have a lot of um, attachment issues that we're not talking about just from birth, but just a sense of community and belonging and space where we're able to connect with each other. So that caused a disparity in our relationships and, and that sense of even just touch and hugs and shaking hands, a lot of that was taken away from us. And, and so when I think about um, sense of community and higher suicide rates, especially focusing on this month, um, I think we're at a time in history where we're going to see higher rates and uh, people just saying, I'm just done and uh, it needs to be addressed. So I think it's a great topic. No, you're totally right. I just got through coming out of a Zaro conference where we talked to, about family constructs mm-hmm. and suicide rates, anxiety, depression, it's up by 30% after COVID. Oh, and people are having difficulty in communicating their thoughts, their ideas. What I have an idea of what causes it as a therapeutic coach, what are some of your ideas as to the reasons why people just don't talk or communicate about their thoughts and feelings? Well, I think it's, I wish it were just one thing and we could, we could pick it out and we'd say, okay, if, if you don't do this, or if you do this, that it was, that it would solve the problem. But we know that it's usually a combination of things. And um, I think part of what, what shows up is a that we don't talk about it. And I'm just going to speak from a a perspective of being in law enforcement in my past. Um, We didn't talk about uh, seeking help uh, with a therapist or a coach or even talking to family members or our doctors about it. Because if we did, then the likelihood of us being ridiculed sometimes by our own departments, okay, our, our brothers or our sisters, you were kind of shunned or a little bit looked down on if you sought help. Two, it would go against your potential, your medical records or your psychiatric records. And then that can be brought up later on in court cases and, you know, um, be pulled legally for those kinds of things, situations. Um, and then I think that that, especially with the males, and I'm not, I am not knocking females, but I do want to state this, that I think males have a higher degree of pride that goes into 
their um, their daily ability to do things on their own, to overcome and achieve. And um, and asking for help sometimes can appear to be a weakness instead you know, wanna, of a strength. I want to interject real quick because Please. you brought up about the fact of psychiatric records being pulled into court status. Mm-hmm. I want to speak that for a moment. Yes. A lot of people especially attorneys in the state of Oklahoma does not realize the title statute that therapists have to go by. You can tell me you killed somebody last night. I cannot tell a soul because of the state statute that's allowed me confidentiality for my clients. Now, if you tell me you're going to kill somebody tomorrow, I have a duty to warn and to talk about that. But I want to go back into the psychiatric records. If a client does not want to release information, okay, I cannot give that out. However, if it is a criminal case and a judge orders the records, then yes, I have to give those over because I have to apply for the court. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing about that's changing in our court system. Courts are wanting people to get help. And they're giving them chances to be able to get psychiatric help, therapy. I just don't want people to be scared of, oh my gosh, I'm going to say something. My reg- I'm going to be exposed and I don't want my history of depression. Well, and I and I have to agree with you on all of that. I'm just stating that in the arena of law enforcement and sometimes in the military, that we are looking at the belief system mm. that if they seek help, that there will be consequences in the seeking of help. Times have changed. It's been almost uh, has it been seven years approximately since I was in law enforcement. And um, and even during that time, I've seen a difference in how it is handled. You have officers that are now seeking more. Uh, they're required by their departments to seek more uh, psychiatric training um, than ever before in history. Um, we know that um, oftentimes we stay in a system of, of higher alert, even when we're not on the clock. And so the, the adrenals get burnout. So there's obviously going to be um, different aspects that are going to cause us to resist getting help, but we still need the help. And, and I think, in my opinion, and this is just from the book of Julia, um, that when we, when we find ourselves in, in a space where we can ask for help, even if it's a, a pastor or it's a dear friend or um goodness gracious, you know, our professionals, you know, seeking a therapist, a psychiatrist, a coach, that really what we are saying is that I can't do it by myself, that I need the community to help me get through this space of time, not your whole life, just this space of time where you just haven't yet built up the the fortitude and strength that would reside normally within ourselves to be able to make it through. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, every one of us experience it. And there's actually some research um, now showing that there are cycles of time where we are, it's, it's predictable that we are going to become less resistant to being able to do things by ourselves. So, you know, it's important for us to note that 
there is no shame in talking mm-hmm. to somebody. Mm-hmm. I, I've had police officers sit in my office. I've had attorneys, nurses, doctors. I have a multi-millionaires that have come and sat in my office mm-hmm. and we talk. Yes. And even as a therapist, I've had a therapist to talk yes. to. And that's what I also want to say that we used to have, when I was in my uh, education program for my master's degree, we used to talk about therapists need therapists, coaches need coaches. We all need that, that someone we can go to and talking to somebody doesn't do anything besides alleviate some of the pressure buildup that's going on inside. All we're doing is getting it out. That's it. That doesn't mean you're going to act on it. Well, the thoughts that are hold, remember, there's a book out there called A Body Keep Score. Yes. And if, when we hold this stuff in, our body holds. Mm-hmm. When we have anxiety, it could create irritable bowel syndrome, diverticulitis, Crohn's disease, because we have such anxiety and we're not talking about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a client who the first three sessions was nothing but word vomit in my office. I hate saying word vomit, but that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get a word edgewise. It was a straight manic episode because she had nobody to talk to. And she trusted me to, to and it took about five to six months to get her, I hate the term normal, uh, that's the only normal that I know is on a dryer setting. It says normal, <laughs> but she got back to her unique self and uh, it was a pleasure in working with her and how and what she overcame was phenomenal, but it takes us talking and being okay with you're okay. What do you think about having that sense of community? And, and sometimes, uh, I mean, that's a whole nother topic of feeling alone, even though you have somebody. Of course. Of course. Well, I think that community is absolutely necessary. And having trusted individuals within that community is even more vital. Um, but there's, so, you know, Steve, there's so many um resources that are available. I mean, for our vets, whether we're talking to, you know, there one, we have the, on our website, we have on the coach soul website, we have that, uh, the phone number for, if you're, you know, in a space where suicide may be something you're considering. Okay. So we have the hotline there. Um, locally, we have laureate, you can call them. And even if you don't have insurance, Um, my understanding is that they will still figure out a way to get you some help. And sometimes a 10 day vacation away from everything that's going on is the best choice for, for individuals. And totally um, agree with that because (laughs) when I had that 34%, I don't have cancer anymore. It's been eradicated, but I took a trip to Yellowstone, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 3,400 mile round trip. And that was the best vacation ever to get in touch with landscaping, get in touch with nature. Yes. It just does something to your psyche. So I can relate with what exactly Mm -hmm. what you're talking about. 
Well, and I and I think, you know, even if we look at um, resources like the VFWs that are around, any military individual can walk in and they are going to, if they'll just walk in and say, I need help, there are individuals that are waiting right there to get you scheduled in for an assessment so they can get you connected to other resources that are in place for our veterans. Um, and that's not to say that all those resources are going to be perfect for each individual, but it's a start. It is a it's a beginning space. And um, so I think that community is essential. It's not just important. It's essential. Um, and when I think about I just want to backtrack a little bit on the nature therapy, because uh, when we think about vacations, I think sometimes we think, about, oh, let's go get on the boat or let's go, you know, some exotic place. Vacations can be taken. Uh, when I was doing my stroke recovery, uh, one of the things that I did is I would spend anywhere from three days to three months um, out in the wilderness. Now I'd come into town for grocery restock or whatever, but I basically lived in my van so that I, which was built out. Um, so it was my mini house on wheels where I could stay out in nature as much as possible because my system could reset. We know that it uh, resets the um um, arcade, is it the Arcadia rhythms? Mm -hmm. This rim? Okay. My brain just kind of blanked out on me. I was like, <laughs> what is that word? Um, and um, we know that it will reset the blood pressure. There is something about going out in nature and touching the trees, listening to the pitter patter of your feet on the crunching leaves, um, having the birds sing their melodious songs. I mean, uh, or the water. I love being near water and just looking at the vastness of everything that we are in and a part of that causes the system to just calm down. You can begin to think the anxiety goes, you know, begins to resolve itself. And, and I honestly, I think it's one of the freer resources that we do not take advantage of in today's society. It's, it's what I call grounding. Oh, it totally is. I mean, totally. I walk outside barefooted. Yes. I just have to watch out for the landmines my dog deposits. But other than that, <laughs> you know, um, I love grounding. I don't care if I'm outside and, and there's a water. I'm going to take my shoes off and put my yes. feet in the water uh, as long as, it's, you know, the stream is nice and clear. And you're right about the technique of grounding because I use it in EMDR. Mm -hmm. When I talk to my clients about EMDR, one of the things I do prior to is learn how to go to what I call a safe place. Yes. I want you to imagine mountains. I want you to mount, um, imagine a beach. I try to get people to slowly calm down. And their anxiety, when they come to me, is about an 8, 9, 10. Mm -hmm. When we get done, it's about a 0. Yeah, yeah. And even if it was down to a three from an eight, what an improvement in right. that system. And, and actually, now that we're talking about that, that system just coming down, there are a lot of um, vagal exercises that can be done, which can't be demonstrated you know, obviously in the, the podcast, because most people are listening. Um, but there are some amazing vagal nerve um, 
um, exercises that can be used. And some of them are on the tips of the fingers, on the hands, behind the ears that will bring that down. But I also want to talk about the PTSD injections because although we're, we're looking at the overall arch of, sui of suicide prevention month, okay? Well, sometimes people get into that space of uh, potential suicide or suicidal thoughts because their anxiety is so over the freaking top that their system is no longer able to manage sensible, okay, or rational thought processes. And, um, and so there is a doctor here. I hope it's okay that I give a shout out to her, but it's Dr. Knife Chief. Um, their family has been doing the, uh, it's called the ganglion blocker injection or the PTSD shot. Um, we now know that the Veterans Administration is actually testing these injections on veterans to see how it's working for them. But that's a that's a side story for helping them with PTSD. We we know in Dr. Knife Chief's office, and I I've used them before. Um, I still occasionally will go in about every six months and get another injection. And it is so simple, it is cost effective, and all it does is basically put a jacket or a coating over the nerve itself so that even though you may be feeling the um, high anxiety or panic attack is a, a better word for in this particular case where you you feel the the panic attack but you it stops at right above breast level. It never makes it in your brain goes, oh, I'm feeling that in my body, but because the nervous system isn't able to feel it because it's now had this injection, mm. um, it, it's, you're soothed. It is the most, and sometimes you will actually afterwards sleep for several hours after it, because you're, there's such a difference in pre versus post injection and it's completely harmless. It is you know, that's absolutely a, that's a whole harmless. nother podcast we get ourselves into you know, I want to get back into a sense of community because I think we got it. We chase a squirrel here somewhere. We do. <laughs> and, and and for our listeners, I want to interject here really quick. www.coachedsoul.com is our website. On the last, there's a there's a contact that you can put your information and email us. Again, that's uh, www.coachedsoul.com. And we recently got a number that you can leave a message. 918-280-8690. That's 918-280-8690 for you to be able to call and leave a message about any topic that you would like to discuss, any clarification that we're talking about in our podcast. It's important to us that we help you to get the information to help you to be a better you. That's what this podcast is about, is helping you to be a better you because Julia and I know best that as professionals, if we've gone through certain things in our own life and overcome, mm -hmm. we believe in you and we know you can too. You know, when you think about suicide month, it just gives you a negative connotation. It's about overcoming. It is about learning how to communicate. And one of the things that we talk about too, Julia, is a sense of community. But in order to have that sense of community, one of the things that I realized when I went through things is that I have to learn how to accept, acknowledge, 
and know where I'm at in my journey. And it keeps my dark valleys short. But if I reject and don't accept the pain and I don't talk about things, my valley will always be there because I'm not dealing with it. Mm-hmm. And and like Michael said, he had a hard time dealing with where he was at, that he wanted to commit suicide. But he reached out to a friend or a friend reached out to him and he just opened up. What do you think about, we, we only have a couple minutes left, but what would you say to somebody who came to you so that we can help other people understand that it's okay just to talk about whatever? Well, I think it's something that we I deal with on a frequent basis anyway, is that at, at the end of the day, people want to know that they have value, that they're understood, um, that they have some kind of relevance in life that's going on around them. They're important. And, um, and so when a, a new client comes to me and they're experiencing some of these issues that we've discussed today on this podcast is that I want to hold a space for them. And that's usually what I tell them. I today, my job isn't to necessarily tell you what you need to do. It's to help Mm. you discover what is best for you through your processes. So I'm going to hold a space and I'm just going to listen. And then the other topic that I often bring into this, the session right in the beginning is, do you want me just to listen or do you want me to interject? Because more often than not, when, when new clients come in, they just want to be heard. You know, they're going, 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 doing, 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 and being, being, being for everybody else. But they they don't necessarily have someone that they can go to that will hold a space just to hear what they have to say. And, and so that's usually where I start all of those conversations is with those kinds of invites, if you will. You know, you bring up a valid point that even in couples therapy, I talk about a streetlight. We have red, yellow, and green. Now in Oklahoma, yellow still means to go. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just, I don't know if that's just Oklahoma or if it's everywhere, but it's just crazy. A yellow light means to slow it down. It doesn't mean to speed up. Uh, it just drives me no crazy. Comment. But right, it's another it's another <laughs> topic of a sore subject. But when you think about the stoplight in a therapeutic sense, Hey, I just woke up. I'm not sure if I'm feeling very good today or not. I may snap at you. I don't mean to. Oh, there's a yellow light. I'm telling you how I'm going to feel may react. Julia, I feel hurt the other day when you did X, Y, Z. Ah, stop light. I need you to think and process what you're doing. Green light. Hey, can I just talk for a moment? I just really need a word vomit here and just talk to you. If we could put those things into our relationship about where we are, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think about, I, I did groups in an inpatient mm-hmm. facility. And one of the things I would show is how to train your dragon. The very first one, here comes hiccup flying in needs to go talk to dad. Dad's at work. So busy blacksmithing. And he, his mind is on getting Hiccup to be trained as the next leader. Hiccup was worried about something else. Mm-hmm. 
It's a great little clip to understand that number one, we have to get the person's attention. And you talk to your partner, you talk to somebody, you say, hey, red light, can can we just stop and just talk for a moment? Mm-hmm. Green light, I need to bounce some things off of you. I need something you to feedback on. So those are some great things. You know, we have to build a sense of community. Our time is out. Julia, as always, it's a pleasure. We're going to pick this up on our next podcast to, to continue going. If there's anything that you would like out of this podcast to be talked further, please again, talk to us. And again, we're out of time. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Thanks for joining us today. We hope to have you back next week. Until then, be safe and be kind. Thank you.